I get the sentiment, right? It's not a bad thing. No. But at the same time, so many people don't even know what that means. And I don't think the people saying it know what it means either. <laughs> what does it even mean to listen to your body? How do you do that? And like you said, depending on the goal, you don't want to listen to your body. If you're in a deficit and you're hungry, well, you don't necessarily want to eat. I mean, sometimes there's a difference between being hungry and being starving. If it's a meal time or if you just need some quick sustenance versus every time you feel a, a slight bit of hunger, you don't necessarily want to listen to that all the time. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Iris, how is it going? How is your today is Wednesday going? It's good. The weather has broken from like the overly hot summer weather to just like nice, like perfect early fall weather. So I am thriving. How are you? I'm good. The same thing's happening here. You know, in Seattle, it's known for being gray and rainy, and it is the truth. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely the weather has gotten a little crispy. That's for sure. <laughs> gotten a little cooler, a little crisper. It's been really cool watching like the leaves change colors. And yeah. I love this time of year. Yeah, things have been good. Training's been good. How has the challenge been? Good. Some really cool breakthroughs. We've been talking a lot about maintenance this time around, actually. Ah, I yeah. like that. I mean, we warn you people that it's not a weight loss challenge. It's a consistency challenge. And we open up some pretty big cans of worms in there. And we've been talking to a lot of people about maintenance and how stuff we talk about on this show ad nauseum is fat loss is not going to fix everything for you. Mm -hmm. Weight loss is not going to fix everything for you. So it's been really, really cool to see. And some people are coming to this on their own because we can put certain things out into the ether and hope people pick it up. But a handful of them have been like, you know, I think I should just try to maintain for right now. And we're like, yes, <laughs> which I think there's a lot of power when we're moving. And I feel like after Halloween, mm. we start moving into that holiday season. Right. And I think the hardest part is a lot of people want to try to continue fat loss in some of the most trying times of the year where there's a lot of festivities, there's a lot of social gatherings, there's a lot of like good, yummy comfort foods, some foods that are not as nutritious as you're used to eating. And I think that there's a lot of power in like transitioning from a fat loss phase into maintenance during the holiday season. I know I'm bringing this up with a lot of my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients because it is it gives you a little bit of extra wiggle room but also like it gives you more energy for your your movement for your workouts and whatnot. So I think that that's super cool that there are people that are picking up what you're putting down when it comes to maintenance. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good time of year for just that break. And as we talk about all the time, like weight loss habits are different than health habits and you can do the health habits to kind of keep you rolling without necessarily being in a calorie deficit. And that is a huge amount of power that people just completely breeze over because it's either weight loss or nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Which kind of brings us to a story that I had about one of my in-person clients, and this is a true story. This person went and got a DEXA scan 
Mm. and was not necessarily thrilled about the results. And that's why I kind of want to talk about like the DEXA scans and like what they're actually used for, because I think a lot of people immediately assume that they are used for body fat loss or muscle gain and things like that, which they're originally used for measuring bone mineral density and to diagnose things like osteoporosis and other bone conditions. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask if you ever had a client take one of those. Have you ever done one or an in-body I think I did a DEXA scan, like, I want to say it was probably four years ago. Okay. And, you know, I got out of there and I felt like shit. And that's one reason why you shouldn't use them is because you're going to get information that's also not entirely accurate. Yeah. The most accurate form of getting your body composition tracked is an autopsy. (laughs) And we don't want that. Not yet. (laughs) Just put me down for an autopsy anytime soon. We'll just leave that to old age. But but DEXA scans are commonly used for assessing people's body fat composition, measuring fat mass, lean mass, bone mass. So when you look at these tools, understanding that they're tools and they're not 100% accurate, like you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And as you said, they are for fat mass, lean mass, and bone mass. And among lean mass, they don't differentiate between like skeletal muscle and internal organs. So that is one of those data points that is hugely fluctuating, first of all, because if you drank a bunch of water and ate a meal anytime before you went in there to get measured, it's going to be different than if you didn't. And if you're pumped from a training session or if you've taken a week off or if you've been sick or if you've taken a poop, it's all going to be wildly, wildly inconsistent. And people often use this, and this is why we don't recommend this for gen pop. People use it as another method of gauging their failure. Ooh, yeah. I never thought about it that way, but that is so true. It's one way for them to see what they're not doing enough of. And when you do take into account all the factors, training, nutrition, water retention, the time of day, hydration, all of that, when you take all that into consideration, well, most people don't take that into consideration. They just mm-hmm. use the the results as like a, I knew that I was, I knew that this was not going to produce something that I really wanted or wanted to feel like. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking to somebody not too long ago who took a DEXA, And then a year later, took another one because she wanted to see her composition changes. She's been lifting. She's been doing all the things. And she got the numbers back, right? Because it just spits out a bunch of numbers. And if you don't have someone who knows what they're doing, explain it to you. It can be hugely confusing. And she was absolutely devastated. And then she got a call like three weeks later and they were like, come back in because our machine wasn't calibrated correctly. Oh, no. And so she spent three weeks spending so much energy on something that had she had no business spending so much energy on because first of all, the machine was incorrectly calibrated. And second of all, that data was not explained properly. Not to mention all those things that we talked about that can affect it, right? Oh, yeah. Water retention is a huge one. Stress, travel, where you are in your menstrual cycle, whether or not you've had a good night's sleep, all of these things, just like it affects the scale, guys. It can affect these things. And it's just a huge word of caution. Absolutely. And like, it really is hard as a coach when 
a client goes out and gets these scans, whether it's DEXA, whether it's Embody, whether it's a bioelectrical impedance machine that they have at home, like it's really hard as a coach to do like the damage control after because it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're arguing about numbers that are not wildly accurate here. Like it's, it's so hard as a coach to see your clients get so emotionally entangled within this scope of body fat composition and where they're at in their fat loss journey or muscle building. Like when their clothes are fitting differently, yeah. when they're lifting heavier in the gym, when their quality of sleep is better. Like there's so many other forms of progress that are way more accurate than these yeah. scans and machines that you should be paying attention to. Yeah. I was talking to somebody recently who had an opportunity to get one for free because of where she works. And I asked her, what will this tell you that you don't already know? She's not super thrilled with her body composition. She does have fat loss goals. She does have consistency and performance goals. And so honestly, what will something like this tell you that you don't already know that you can't gauge from the other forms of data that are much more easy to take, frankly, and much more easy to consistently take. You get on the scale naked after you pee first thing in the morning. Take pictures every four to six weeks. Try on one outfit every four to six weeks. Note the changes. Keep in mind too, this is not something that you do every day, like a weigh-in or on a schedule every couple of weeks, like pictures or measurements. And imagine how easy it is to take one weigh-in and one measurement massively out of context. Imagine what it's going to be like with a DEXA scan or an in-body. It's something you do like maybe once a year. And unless you're doing it on a schedule for like five, six, seven, eight, nine years, then and maybe then you'll have enough data to see a trend, right? But one off, two off, eh. Yeah. And with that, it's really focusing on what's actually important on your journey. It's a what actually is indicative of success is habits changing, how you're feeling before, after, and during your workouts. It's there's so much that you can focus on that has nothing to do with a DEXA scan or an in body or bioelectrical impedance. There's so much that you have the ability to focus on and manage that is going to give you way more of a better indicator of what success actually looks like to you. Even some more advanced lifters and competitors will use these things and they have a better handle on interpreting data. They Mm -hmm. are a lot more consistent, like extremely specifically consistent in their training and nutrition. And even for some of them, it can get in their heads. And I know because I've talked to people who it gets in their heads and it messes with them, even though all of the trends of all of the other things are going exactly in the direction that they want. So is it worth it is the question. I don't think it is for Gen Pop, really. And, you know, on that topic, I might go down a little rabbit hole here and I don't know if it's going to be true or not, but I guess it can be in specific situations. I almost feel as if like I was thinking about your comment earlier about like your you're kind of going in to know what you're failing at. Mm -hmm. It made me start thinking. I know for me, when I did a DEXA scan about four years ago, it was after my bodybuilding show. It was when I started to gain my weight back. I would use it as an excuse to Mm self-sabotage. 
Mm. I would go in and be like, look, I knew my results were like this. I'm not doing a good job. And then I would go on an emotional eating bender. And I feel like that could potentially be something that clients struggle with. I mean, not I haven't heard that from any of my clients personally, but I feel as if you're going and you're doing this DEXA scan and you get the results back and you're unhappy, there is a fine line between whether you're going to make the decision to use that as motivation and try to improve your body composition or use it as an excuse to say, fuck it. I knew I wasn't doing the right thing. And you go down the rabbit hole, you end up overeating or binge eating or whatever. And then you feel like shit. And then the guilt and the shame kicks in. And that's why it's really hard as a coach when clients come to you with these DEXA scan or in-body results or even their fucking weight fluctuations and having to do the emotional the emotional damage control and validate and reassure your clients that they're doing the right thing. They just need to be patient. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Patience. <laughs> oh, patience. Man. We talked about this in our, our last episode with just the two of us is that we have been fucked over by these expectations of really drastic, crazy, fast results, which mm -hmm. don't last. I don't know where I was going with that, but I said it again. But it's true. I mean, people, they really want validation, whether mm -hmm. it's positive validation or negative validation. A lot of people just want to be validated that what they're doing is either working or not working. They want an answer when in reality, like fat loss does take a lot of time. So trying to rely on external things that are supposed to tell you where your body fat is. Like, I'm going to be 100% honest. Like, I don't give a fuck who, like what someone's body fat percentage is. Like, I don't meet yeah. new people. I'm like, hi, I'm Brooke. What's your body fat percentage? Like, <laughs> I've never done that before. Like, right. I think it's kind of silly. Like the only person who gives a fuck about what your body fat percentage is, is you. Mm -hmm. These machines and whatnot are not the best indicator of whether or not you're being led on the road to success. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to what is this telling you that you don't already know? And if that, what it's telling you is that percentage number, what does it matter? If your clothes are fitting better, if the scale is moving down, you know, if you're in the position to have the scale move down, the leaner you are, the less it probably will. But are your clothes fitting better? Do you have more energy? How's your digestion? What are your general habits like? Improvements there. All these things matter a lot more, frankly. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give a quick shout out to my client, Ginger, because Ginger, where to go, Ginger? <laughs> she has been absolutely fucking crushing her goals. And you know what's crazy is the body fat loss and the weight loss that she's gone through is great, but she focuses way more on the habits that she's built. Like keeping, like I love in her client check-ins, she always says, keeping it simple of doing the same thing that I've done up to this point. And her sleep has improved drastically. She has a very hectic work schedule where she can be on days and then on nights. And when we first started working together, she was only sleeping like six, four to six hours of broken sleep. And now She's improved to the point where I think the other day she just hit like a full eight hours of sleep that's not broken or doesn't have a nap. And like she was like, we were both so pumped over that because that right there is a form of progress. Like I am way more pumped about that than what her fucking body fat percentage is because she is doing things that is actually positively affecting her health. Yeah. So way to go, Ginger. I'm way shouting to you go, out right Ginger. now. That's way awesome. to go. Hopefully you listen to this because you're a badass. 
badass bitch. Well, that's a testament to, first of all, a good coach. Second of well, all, thank you. <laughs> second of all, putting in the time and yeah. the practice. And I'm sure it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for Ginger. I'm sure she had some setbacks, right? Every once of in a course, while. Everybody does. It wasn't just all smooth sailing. Good job, you know, Ginger. Good job, Ginger. <laughs> you know, and I've also had clients where they've been told by other people to listen to your body. And listening to your body is hard because if you don't have the awareness of what you're feeling or thinking or how your body's responding to something, you don't always want to listen to your body. Like it's really situational. And with a calorie deficit, if someone is in a fat loss phase, you don't want to inherently listen to your body. You want to make sure that like you're checking the boxes of what's required for fat loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I see that a lot in response to comments and forums and the like. And I get the sentiment, right? It's not a bad thing. No. But at the same time, so many people don't even know what that means. And I don't think the people saying it know what it means either. <laughs> What does it even mean to listen to your body? How do you do that? And like you said, depending on the goal, you don't want to listen to your body, right? If you're in a deficit and you're hungry, well, you don't necessarily want to eat something always across the board. I mean, sometimes there's a difference between being hungry and being starving. If it's a meal time or if you just need some quick sustenance versus every time you feel a, a slight bit of hunger, you don't necessarily want to listen to that all the time, especially if you're in a deficit, right? Now, yeah. another example would be training to failure. My goal right now is to maximize muscle gains. Every time I do a set, my body is telling me to stop because it's hard. I'm pushing it to failure. It sometimes, not always, it burns. I don't want to listen to my body in that situation. Another thing, too, is that when you're in a deficit, especially when you've sustained one for a while, your energy is going to be lower. It just will. You're operating on a deficit of energy. And as we mentioned, which I will link in the show notes in that episode where we were talking about all of the side effects of a prolonged deficit, you're going to be tired and you're going to have to, in a sense, force yourself to move, to walk, to go to the gym. Your motivation is going to be low, just generally worse than normal, and you're going to feel it. So when it comes to, quote unquote, listening to your body, again, this is something that needs more context and there's more nuance to the conversation than just saying it. You know, some days you're going to be more tired just in general, but especially in a calorie deficit, some days you're going to be extra more tired than usual. You know, and if I was listening to my body as it is right now in the tail end of a calorie deficit, and I'm so excited to be done with this thing, I would be sleeping way in more than is helpful or <laughs> allows me to be a functional human. I would be sitting on the couch all day. I have to force myself to get up and go for walks just to keep a normal baseline of energy and to keep that expenditure because again, your body compensates, right? Subconsciously. When you're at an energy deficit, you're going to have less energy to spend. So your body's like, all right, let's protect the reserves we have and we're going to make you more tired and you're going to want to move less. So therefore, it'll kind of even out the energy a little bit. You don't want to listen to your body if your goal is fat loss when you do that. You know what I mean? Now, other situations yeah. where 
if you are just feeling really tired and really run down and really food focused and like all the things we say that maybe it's time for a maintenance break, yeah, listen to your body. Take a maintenance break. Take a controlled maintenance break. If you're feeling run down and you haven't had a break from the gym in a while, you haven't had a deload week, okay, listen to your body. But across the board, that statement needs more questions asked before you just say it and more nuance to the conversation. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it also goes the other way, not just training till failure, but also like just going through the motions. If you're going into the gym and you're just going through the motions and doing things that are just comfortable Mm -hmm. and you're not really feeling like you're pushing yourself, that might be an indication that you need to switch up your training and increase your intensity as well. I definitely see that a lot with clients. And like one of my favorite analogies is to use is about new moms. They're afraid to curl a 15 pound dumbbell, but they're carrying a 40 pound child on their hip. Mm-hmm. All you new moms out there or all you moms out there or dads, parents out there, just realize you're a lot fucking stronger than you think you are because... I know how it is to have to pack around a little one. You're much stronger than that. So really pushing yourself to a good, solid intensity is important. You shouldn't be, in in my opinion, like you shouldn't be able to have a fucking conversation while you're lifting. Like you need to be focused on what you're doing. You need to be pushing yourself. Now that doesn't mean push yourself to where you get injured, but it means push yourself until you're like, God, I don't want to do these last two fucking reps, but here we go. Mm -hmm. Another one that I'm thinking of is cravings. Yes. If you're having a craving, maybe listen to your body. Maybe don't. It depends on so many things. Yeah. What's the overall picture of what's going on? And I see this listen to your body a lot around a person's period. Oh, boy. Yes. (laughs) If I listen to my body around my period, first of all, the three days leading up to it, I would be eating nonstop sugar. Everything and carbs. Zero protein. And the next two days, I would be eating nothing because I have zero appetite. I don't want to listen to my body in that situation. I need to sort of force myself to make sure I'm still having a well-rounded, balanced overall intake, right? It kind of makes me a little bit sassy and tilted when I see people just say these things without asking more questions and asking for more context and presenting more nuance. And I, I don't know, I get that people are trying to help, but at the same time, there's more to it. Oh, yeah. And when you brought up cravings, it made me think if you're having cravings for things that are not as nutritious, things that have high fat and carb content, maybe have a high sugar content, if you're craving things like that, chances are you're not getting enough nutrition throughout the day making sure that you're having consistent and adequate amount of protein. But not only that, my client, Anne, shout out Anne, because (laughs) I know she listens to the podcast, She has this amazing thing that she calls head hunger. Yeah. And it's essentially, am I really hungry or am I emotionally hungry? And I absolutely love that. Is it it real hunger or is it head hunger? Like what's going on in my head that wants me to eat foods that I know don't align with my goals at the moment? And I absolutely love that because what a lot of people don't don't understand is that when you're having those types of cravings, a lot of the time it's emotional. Like I have never emotionally ate broccoli. Like I've never (laughs) done that. Like I've never emotionally ate a bunch of apples. I've never emotionally ate bananas. Now those have high sugar. Those Mm -hmm. have high carbs, but 
those are also more nutritious foods. Like people often when they're emotionally eating, they don't gravitate towards more nutritious foods. They gravitate towards highly processed, less nutritious foods that are also calorically dense. So it's important to recognize like what is this hunger? Is it head hunger or is it actual true hunger? And I'm going to be honest, like if you're in a fat loss phase and you're in a deficit, hunger is normal. It's not an emergency. You know, you don't want to be ravenous. Like you don't want to be starving, but if you eat something, you're like, mm, still like not a hundred percent full. You're not going to be a hundred percent full in a deficit. That's the point. You're eating in a deficit. There is a deficit there, meaning you're not going to have as much food that your body wants in that time period. So it's super normal and it's not an emergency. And if you ate immediately at the first sign of hunger, that's going to totally throw off your goal. Yeah. Would be absolutely no surprise if you just ate yourself right out of a deficit, if you ate something every time you were hungry. Either that or you end up at 4.30 in the afternoon with no calories left. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that people say all the time. Well, just eat when you're hungry. Just eat when you're hungry. If you're hungry, you should eat. Not necessarily when you have a goal of fat loss. And not to mention that hunger, just no matter what phase you're in, is normal. Like you're going to get hungry at maintenance. You're going to get hungry in a build, in a surplus sometimes, not as often, but sometimes, certainly in maintenance, especially as you train yourself to eat at certain times of the day. But also, I think it's super important to mention that, you know, there are all these tips and tricks all the time for avoiding hunger and a deficit. And some of them can be certainly useful. We've talked about a few of them, like volume eating, higher protein, of course, kind of having a normal schedule for meals. But at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is you're going to be a little bit hungry in a deficit. And there is a level of acceptance that has to be there that like, okay, for this period of time, another side note, this is yet another reason we don't try to be in a deficit all the time, folks. For this period of time, I'm going to be a little hungry. I'm probably not, more often than not, going to feel 100% satisfied. And that's okay. I will accept it. I will do what I can. I will do all the best practices that we continually talk about. And I will accept the little bit of hunger that's there. And you move on. Yeah. Or like there's not a ton of awareness with people who are just beginning. They don't know the difference between emotional hunger and actual true hunger. People really get wrapped up in not wanting to be hungry at all. Yeah. Now, I will say there are some factors to hunger that we need to consider, especially things like emotional hunger. If you grew up and you're food insecure, like you grew up food insecure, you might feel like you need to eat until you're full before going to bed. And what's funny is I'm using that as a personal example. Mm -hmm. Growing up, like we we had some food insecurity. We didn't always know when we were going to have an abundance of food or not enough food. That, uh, growing up, I was taught eat everything on your plate. Nothing goes to waste. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I really struggled with when I really started to do sustainable fat loss was not going to bed stuff. I did not like going to bed with mild hunger because I that would happen as a kid. And that meant that we were not in a quote unquote financially safe situation. So I also think it's important for people to understand that like emotional hunger is deep shit. Like mm -hmm. this goes back to childhood. 
And that's why it's so important to come up with coping mechanisms to deal with that, like journaling, pausing, thinking about your body's signals and allowing some some flexibility to be like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to eat now because I'm actually hungry or I'm going to go journal and deal with my shit. Yeah. And there's also sensation hunger too, right? You ever get that feeling? Well, I just want something salty. Oh, yeah. Just a little something salty. You don't need it, but you want it. Yeah. Or sweet. That's my situation too. (laughs) I'm a sweet over salty girl any day. (laughs) But uh, that's one of those things where it's important to know the difference. And there's a couple really good hunger scales that I've used and shared with various clients and challengers and people that I will link to in the show notes, because this is a really good resource that you can literally reference until you're more familiar with, again, how it feels. So you can quote unquote, listen to your body. Yeah. Yeah. It lays it out in a one to 10 format of one being absolutely famished and 10 being really uncomfortably stuffed. And you can see where you land. And it's such a helpful visual Because if, especially if you're so used to the restrict and way overdoing it cycle, a lot of people don't really know. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And that's why things like listen to your body and eat when you're hungry can be a a slippery slope for people. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, again, I'm going to say it again, if you don't have the awareness of what true hunger feels like, you're not going to be able to make a good judgment call of whether you should eat or not. The first thing that I think is so important is to learn to be mindful. And that's something that I even talk to my clients about when it comes to tracking their nutrition. You shouldn't be just tracking. You should also be paying attention to the way that you feel, to what portion sizes look like. Like tracking is a tool. Sensation and taste versus physical versus the emotional, it can get really confusing to someone who doesn't have a ton of awareness or a lot of mindfulness around the practice of counting calories. And Mm -hmm. so I like to encourage my clients, even when they're tracking, I want you to be seated at the table. I don't want you to be on your phone, like no distractions. Being mindful, developing that self-awareness is really important. And you're not always going to recognize in the beginning, in the beginning, whether it's head hunger or not. So practicing mindfulness while tracking calories, I think is especially important. Absolutely. We have a couple great episodes in relation to that, that I'll also link in the show notes, one with Matt Vandalar. Yes. um, And then a couple other ones. Yeah, so a few ideas to start to become a little bit more in tune with your body and to practice listening to your body. Body scans every once in a while, focusing on each part of your body little by little, noting sensations without judging them or analyzing them, just like, oh, my arms feel heavy. Oh, my feet hurt. Oh, my stomach is feeling hot or clumped up. My neck is really tight. My shoulders are in my ears. Journaling, tracking your feelings and physical sensations, making note of certain things that might trigger you, right? Trigger a fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, really being aware, making yourself be aware of these things. Regular pauses throughout the day, especially when you're in the middle of a bunch of stuff, just intentionally pausing breathing, 
assessing where you are, assessing what you've been doing and what you should be doing, what would be a more helpful course of action. Just taking like 10 seconds to step back out of the tizzy of the busyness of everyday life and just pay attention to what you feel, what you're thinking, looking at that hunger scale, slowing down when you're eating. Don't just shovel it in. Paying attention to how you feel in the morning, right? When you get out of bed and right before bed at night, what's your energy level? What's your stress level? What's your mental dizzy level? These are just a few things that you can implement in your everyday life to build more awareness of what your body is actually saying. Just these little moments of checking in, grounding yourself for a moment. One hundo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed those tangents. We uh, had some, just some thoughts that we wanted to share about this stuff just to offer more nuance to the conversation because... There's more nuance to almost every conversation. Yeah. And with it sliding into the holiday season here pretty soon, I know that it can get kind of stressful for people. Gyms are going to be whipping out DEXA scans and embodies in just a couple months. So I want people to understand and make sure that there's more data that you need to pay attention to. And you also need to pay attention to your hunger and fullness cues. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a practice. You're not going to get it overnight. And you ain't going to be perfect. Exactly. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Thank you for your messages and reviews and your topic suggestions, of course. And we'll talk to you same time, same place. We love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs>